I'm often in trouble. Sins of omission and commission. So Vision Sunday, why I love Soma Blue Mountains. And uh, this is just a great opportunity to, to catch everybody up. We're in our 10th year. We're going to celebrate that more formally in May. And we've come up with a few different things. I think we've come up with a few different things to do and to, to celebrate and think about what it is to be this church. And um, really to ask ourselves, you know, uh, people often say, what's the point of it? What is it about? Uh, what, what is distinctive? Why did, the, why did we start this church? And the early story was Dave and I, Dave was working in a church. I was mentoring him formally in the life of the church. And as time went on, uh, it, David built up this ministry at Winmerley Anglican Church. And uh, it, it was just taking really exciting turns, really dynamic people wanting to connect and wanting to reach out. And uh, as it, it went on, it became obvious that we ought to start our own congregation. Originally, we were thinking that would just be a church plant out of the Anglican Church, but it, it just didn't work out that way. That's a backstory I can fill you in later if you're interested in those sorts of details. But uh, 65 people were with us, and uh, that, that core group um, came. It was just very exciting stuff. And uh, one of the things that we've seen over the years, some people have gone, of course, some people have moved, and etc., uh, but many others have come through. And so uh, it is exciting to be here with this, uh, this church now and this experience. Now, churches, thankfully... Many of them are just the same in good ways. You know, God's word is taught. People pray for each other. Lives are transformed. People are converted. They're built up in their faith. They, they, they learn things about God and themselves and they grow. Relationships are put back together. All sorts of good things happen in most churches. Now, occasionally we'll hear of, you know, disaster church A or disaster church B. Uh, things go catastrophically wrong in relationships sometimes. And that's a great sadness. And so the question here is, why Soma Blue Mountains? What, is it, what was the impulse for starting this church? And it really came down to having a culture that said, what about those who don't know God? Uh, I, I'm an Anglican minister, still, uh, I'm ordained as an Anglican minister, still have a license to uh, officiate. And for 10 years, the first 10 years of my ministry post-college was in Anglican churches here in Sydney and in Western Australia. And so I've led a few churches in that context. Um, but, but this church has some differences. And they're things that excite me. One of the big things was that we wanted to ask the question, how do we reach out to those who are not usually in church? The, the 90% who won't come. Now, years ago, um, when was it? 30 years ago, I started, uh, uh, I was the minister of a church over at WA, and I realised that in the five years, at small town, it's like 30,000 people in the catchment of that area. I realised within five years, I would preach to about half the town through weddings and baptisms and people who came and, you know, just people who would come across my, my uh, orbit somehow or other. Now, I can guarantee you, if you went back there now, that would not be the case. The, the lack of church attendance at weddings even, you know, it was declining sharply at that point. So, so the kind of the number of people who will just walk into a church building without a faith already is very small. And so the question really was, how do you reach the 90% who won't walk into the building who won't be under the sound of the gospel in these sorts of ways that were traditionally quite normal. And so it is around that. And the first point, I've got two points today. Uh, the first point is 
that what we're doing here fits God's mission. It actually helps all of us to be on mission and to focus on the 90%, to think about those people and to set up our lives in a way that we can actually reach out to them. Um, a frequent conversation I used to have was with people where they go, okay, I'm a committed Christian, I'm at church on Sunday, I'm doing stuff with our small group on a you know, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever it is, uh, I'm on a committee or I'm on this other thing that's happening, and, and then there's something else has come up and there's a real need to go and do this pastoral care thing or something. When on earth would I fit in meeting somebody who is not a Christian already, that's not part of the church? And that was, that was quite a real thing. You know, how many new expectations can you put on people? Well, we've got to reach out to the world. Yeah, but who's got the time? And so one of the great things about Soma Blue Mountains with our gospel community model is it allows us a much more natural way to do that. Now, not perfect, and we're still often, we'll describe ourselves as busy, and sometimes we're more busy than others, but we at least have a model which is consistently able to reach out to other people. And I think that's a wonderful thing. I find for me that's a wonderful thing, to be with a group of people for whom we can work together, meeting friends, doing stuff for neighbours, joining people in, our lives with them and their lives with us. And that allows me, with my life, to be uh, involved in the mission of God right here. Now, as I've mentioned a number of times, I, I work with an international ministry, and so I'm thinking about mission all over the world and all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> but it's not enough, is it? It's not enough that I go, oh, yeah, I'm doing stuff over there. No, no, it's got to be a part of me here now. One of the things I love about what we do is that I have that opportunity to engage in mission right here in our suburb, in our area. One of the things I, uh, reason I wanted to uh, just bring that uh, passage earlier from Titus 3 is because of the, the before and after concept. I think about this again and again when I'm talking to people. The before and after. Do you know some of the, uh, the little phrases, you know, the, the lostness of people? Uh, at one time, this is Titus 3.3, at one time you too, so he's talking to the Christian people there, you too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Now, if you've been converted young, hopefully you've missed out on some of that really bad stuff. But it I, I never fails to amaze me how many people will give a testimony that say, I was filled with hatred. I was filled with regret. I was filled with anxiety. There's still issues, but, you know, but Christ has made that difference. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. And then there's this great, but. What a great word but is, isn't it? When you come into a person's life and it's a disaster and you say, but. But. When the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us. Not because of our righteous things that we'd done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. This is God coming into people's lives and making a difference. This is the potential. Uh, I would think for most of us we could give some kind of testimony that, that would mirror something like this. We might use different words or describe ourselves a bit differently. But, but some, but God. That's my story, age 12. But God came into my life. I don't know if you know that, um, that uh, movie. It's a spaghetti western. Does that phrase mean anything to you? You know, the 70s, uh, these Italian guys made westerns, for American western movies. And it, there's this one called Trinity. 
Trinity is still my name or something. There's, the, there's probably three of them, wasn't there? But uh, anyway, one of the movies, there's this really big tough guy. And it's a comedy, right? So it's a really big tough guy and he's running away from, from, the, um, from the people who are trying to get him the goodies or the baddies, the really baddies, I don't know. But anyway, he's really tough. And he, he, he finds himself in this church, a Catholic church. And uh, so he, he goes to hide in the confessional and then he realises that there's the priest there and to, you know, the, the thing, you know, confess your sins. Anyway, so he starts talking about his life and the music comes up and, and you just sort of move between him talking and, and the priest who's just, you know, like freaking out and he's, he's crying and he's, he's, he's tearing his hair out. And then the music drops down and then the guy says, so, and then when I was three, <laughs> there is a transformation happens where we go from something to something and can tell a testimony of life that is good. And so the words here that uh, in Titus, Paul wrote, he saved us by the washing, through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. Trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Don't you love the idea that you can do good? You, you can do good. You, you know, all that stuff of the past can be left behind. You can work through it. You can have God's grace in your life to be that new person. And you can do good for others. You know... Um, that just that image, just think, as you walk through life, as you go to your work, as you hang out at, at, at your friend's place or you, you know, you're with your family or something, there's just little bits of good dropping off all over the place. And it's not like there's any less for you at the end of that. You know, it's, it's that, that comes out of the goodness of your heart. The sermon Dave preached a couple of weeks back. That out of the goodness that's in your heart, comes all sorts of good things then. Good words, lovely words, affirming, encouraging, positive things. Now, we still get it wrong. I've had two conversations in the last 24 hours of things I've said wrong, and that's appropriate, because they were. But we get stuff wrong, but what a beautiful thought it is that we can be people who are handing out all this good and excellent stuff that makes a difference in other people's lives. And not just our words, but our actions, our love, our care. Just being different. Sometimes speaking up on behalf of somebody else. Acting for justice where there is no justice. Being that, that caring shoulder that a person can come to and, and cry on because they need it. Sometimes not even knowing what are the right words, but just being there. Being people of prayer for others. These are beautiful things. And it's a beautiful transformation that God allows in our lives and in others' lives. And that's why when we have an opportunity to be in a church where we've got lots of opportunities to do that loving together, to do that good and excellent stuff, what a good thing it is for the world. I spend a lot of time thinking about crossing cultures and how the, the gospel goes into other countries, other cultures. And the thing I keep coming back to is this very idea, wherever Christ has been, it is better. Now, the, the story of Christian mission is, is a confused one. It's a contradictory one at points, but it's also a very glorious and wonderful one. Because when Christ comes into a person's life or into a family or a community, he does wonderful things. 
And so whatever that culture starts out and ends up being, the aim is not to become like our culture, but to be like its own culture, the best it can be, Christ has done a wonderful work. And lives have built up and strengthened and wonderful themselves. Now, this is what we're about. The 90% of people who will not come to church on their own need that. And that ought to sit strongly within us. I'm not an evangelist saying this, let me say. They're not my gifts. I've shared the gospel many times, as you'd hope a minister of the gospel would. Shared it many times and praise the Lord, a few people have become Christian under my ministry. Not lots and lots. So I'm not speaking to you as one who is great at this stuff or that's my natural bent or that's the gifting God has given me. I speak to you as a Christian person who loves every strengthening to me to share the gospel with those around. This is a, uh, this is a key thing that we want to be able to foster in the life of our church and the gospel communities, I think, uh, just a wonderful way to do that. What if the focus was on the 90%? That was the question we asked. How would you do things? It's got to look different. And hence, so my Blue Mountains. Now, in my own experience, when I started preaching to this church 10 years ago, I realised how, how differently I'd been preaching for the previous 15 years, 20 years, 25 years, 25, 20 years. Uh, I, I used to, I remember preaching in the churches that I was in, and I was just going, okay, this passage here, it doesn't really apply to us because we're in maintenance mode. I didn't quite say it that way, but I just think we're settled. We're not doing lots of this mission, outreach, church planting stuff. And so I would just have to work out how do I take this really great concept here and apply it to a fairly docile church situation? I, I, I remember having to do that. And then all of a sudden I'm preaching here and we go, we are planting a church here. We are reaching out to our neighbours. We are in little gospel communities that, that have got a task to be done in our suburbs. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm going, oh gosh, this is really good stuff. I'm embarrassed to say that, really. I'm glad I found it out. I'm glad I got the opportunity to preach it. But it's a little embarrassing, isn't it, to come that far into your ministry and go, I've been just kind of, sort of appropriately, leaving a whole stack of passages quietly sitting on the corner. And then bringing them out here has really invigorated my understanding of the scriptures. Because we're in a different kind of thing. We're in a church planting thing. And that is wonderful to be a part of. You see, when you're not in maintenance mode as a church, when you move into mission mode, you read the Bible differently. You apply it differently. You have to. Because you're asking more things from yourself, from you and from your group. And of course, the resource is already there in the scriptures. Thanks to God for that. Personally, the opportunity for me to live with a missional impulse close to my home, I find really rewarding, really uh, such a positive thing. As I say, I'm not an evangelist, but to be with a group where we go, let's do it. Let's do it together. Let's, let's us use the different skills and gifts and abilities God has given us. I just find that such a helpful thing. Because I know what I'm doing is I'm aligning myself to God's mission. It, what, what this church does is it helps us fit to God's mission. That's my first point. All of you want to fit in with God's mission. Here, this is a great way to do it for our culture for this time. And that's my second point, that what we're doing fits our culture. It fits our culture. Uh, when you get a little older like I am, you get to look back having experienced shifts in culture. 
And it's a classic thing, isn't it? The old people, oh, it's not like it was in the old days. Of course it wasn't. And it wasn't like when you were younger, for those people in the, their older days, of course, things are always chopping and changing. And sometimes it moves fast and sometimes it moves slow. Whenever you get an invasion, you know, political, military invasion, things massively change for people. But there are also internal dynamics that happen in society as well. Some new idea can completely transform the way people think about themselves. Not usually in half a generation, but within two or three generations, a new idea can change how people think about the world. We're also very conscious of the, the technology changes. You know, that's often the first thing we'll think of. Oh, change, technology. But, but that's just one way it happens. Uh, sexual mores are so different. Uh, Dave talked about this in one of his talks too uh, last year. Uh, you know, having the pill available. That was such big news in the 60s. Uh, most of it's just, it's just background, of course, that's there. Of course, you can determine your reproductive choices in that sort of way. So these sorts of things have made a huge difference. And, and, and that is the society we're in. Such a quick shift in terms of sexual identity and the politics around that in the last 10 years. It's extraordinary. The, the shift from 10 years ago to now. So these things are all happening in our society and we need to think through, this is where we are, this is our culture. How do we reach out with the gospel? The other thing that's happened is a massive shift towards appreciating community. Okay, now this is hard for people who were born in the 50, 1950s and 60s and 70s. Baby boomer. Okay, very hard for those people because we were raised with the, a diet of individualism, nuclear family. Everyone, no one, you know, the sort of um, extended family idea, that was just you put up with those people at Christmas, you know, if you had to. Or you're an immigrant family, you know, Mediterranean family. That, that was just, you know, extended families. That looked quite weird to most Australians, let me tell you, back in the 60s and 70s. So, so things are changing. And what's happening is there's a greater commitment to be in community. Now, praise the Lord, that's actually how God intends us to be. So our, our culture has shifted from this individualism, which is not how God intends us to be, to a much more community kind of feel. And that's a good thing. Now, in our culture too, there are so many things that make it difficult to share the faith. We need to be very cautious and careful and generally quite slow. Now, if you talk to an evangelist, they'll say, bam, you just share the faith. And, you know, one time out of ten, it works wonderfully well. I used to, uh, one of the ministries I had was working with a whole bunch of evangelists all around Australia, uh, about a hundred of them. And they were, they were a different breed. I tell you, you put a hundred evangelists together at a conference, they just talk about different stuff from the rest of us. First thing they do, like most ministers get together or you know church workers first thing they do is complain about their boss so that's just everybody does that you know but the second thing they do evangelists they talk about heaven and hell like you want to have a conversation about heaven and hell go hang out with some evangelists the rest of us don't do that do we we talk about you know prayers and things we've done and you know god being with us in this and that, and that you know talk about that sort of stuff all sorts of other things pastors do a different thing too after they've complained about their church that's no, not always like that but you know what i mean so so here we have, in Australia, the requirement for us is to move slowly because there are so many oppositions. Christianity is so out of favour, increasingly out of favour. Not one by one, but culture-wide. Because you'll have friends for whom they're very interested in your faith. That's great. Uh, there'll be people who are, you know, just neutral or you know, don't even know much about it. But culture-wide, progressively anti-Christian. And that's been happening for a number of years. 
In other times and places, it's not like that. Um, the story of Mongolia is an incredible one. 1990, 90, uh, there were no Christians in Mongolia, and then uh, the Soviet Union fell, and therefore their control over Mongolia uh, dropped away. And so there was uh, Christmas 1991, there were 10 Christians in the country, and they were all together in one church service on Christmas Day. By the next year, there were 400 Christians. Okay, now you think what those 10 must have done. They would go out every week. They would learn something in the morning and they'd go out in the evening or the afternoon and preach the gospel and people would be converted. And they'd go out again and they'd go out again. They'd learn something in the morning, they'd teach in the afternoon. Someone would ask a question, I don't know, and they'd go and ask the question and off they'd go. Uh, and then there was 2,000, was it 2,000, I think, by the next Christmas. You think about that growth. That's incredible hunger for the word of God, for the gospel of Jesus Christ in that place. It's slowed down now, still going up and up, but slowed down, as you might guess. In our culture, you have to go slowly. You have to build relationships. Nearly always it's like that. Not always, but nearly always, because of all the things in our culture. Now, we need to understand what our culture requires. We can't do it like it used to be done. And each new generation and each new subgroup of the generation has to understand what's needed there. You know, we had our testimony just then from the... Uh, Climbing group. I've got a name for you, too. I'll tell you later, guys. My thought. But, um, but they have to operate in a certain way. I have no insight as to how you would reach out to climbers. But, you know, other than their people. That's, that's as far as I get, really. After that, I... Why are you doing that? You know. So, but each of us have these little groups. Our neighbours, but also our, our sub-interest groups. And we need to take that very seriously. Now, one of the wonderful things, too, about... Gospel communities and our emphasis on them is that they allow for everybody to contribute. Let me tell you that um, in, the, in a maintenance-oriented church, you don't need all the gifts that God has given. You just don't need them. You just need people that can teach and lead Bible studies and do a few jobs around the place. And then you just want everybody else to attend and give their money and you know, be happy and grow in their own personal faith. I'm not trying to put that down. That's just I've been there. I've led churches where that's kind of that's all we've got to offer. And yes, you do want people to use their gifts, but it's usually individualized. Gospel community is entirely different. Once you get on mission, you need every gift. Every gift becomes potent for what you're trying to achieve. Now, if you're not experiencing that yet, start walking into that. But that's what we we find. That's that's what excites me so much is that people go. Oh, my gift actually is essential because it can't be done by one person. To take somebody from no faith to considering faith to having faith to growing in the faith requires all these different gifts. And praise God, that's what we have in our gospel communities. And so as we grow into that personally, we're able to reach out to those 90% in a way that otherwise would not be possible. I love that. And so right from the beginning, we've had a huge emphasis on gifts. Now, I did have a little note that, that our church is charismatic, but it's not charismatic. It works perfectly well in written text because small c and then capital C. Okay? Charismatic, in other words, the gifts are there. That's what the word charisma means, the gifts of the God. God's given us. Not capital C as in a political church group that does things this way and that way and uses that kind of language. No, no. But biblically speaking, we want, we want the charisma of God, the gifts of God in our life. And I encourage us in that. Uh, and I personally just find it a wonderful thing because I can't do everything, nor can anyone else in my group do everything. And yet we're there as a group on mission together. 
The other lovely thing about that, of course, is incredibly personally fulfilling. When you use your gifts, you know why God made you the way you did. Because you get all this feedback, sometimes spoken, often spoken, sometimes just, oh my goodness, what a great thing it was to do that with my gift for that person in that process of no faith to growing in the faith. And that's been a theme of our church all along. Now, um, the thing about GCs that we've just, we've, we've gone, we've tried to say, church is not just about coming on a Sunday. It's about two things. It's, Sunday's really critical. We learn the word of God. We've been with all these people here that we're, we're working together. We get training and insight and encouragement, etc. But we want to say half our time is GC time. Maybe half, more than half our time is GC. But emphasis in terms of what comes from, from the church teaching, we want to think a lot about GCs. And these are not just Bible studies. All you need for a Bible study, you don't need all the gifts to be flourishing in a Bible study group. You just need one person to teach well and the others be encouraged and live their life and change. You start doing gospel community, reaching out missionally, you need all those gifts to be functioning. And that means we have to have lots of teaching. So we're always having teaching times. One of the things Dave spends most of his time doing is teaching people how to be members of their gospel community, how to lead them and how to be in them using their gifts. And so this Vision Sunday, I want to reinforce most of all, not what's the central church thing, what are the big vision ideas. There are some, of course. You know, we're not just sitting around going ho-hum. There's lots of stuff to talk about. And in the coming weeks and months, we'll hear more of those things. We want to connect in Australia, some are Australia, some are international. We've got mission stuff we give to. That's all wonderful. But think about how important the GC is. Your gospel community requires your energy and effort and commitment and you'll find it fulfilling to be a part of it as you commit to it and as you find your place in it. And so this Vision Sunday is a bit of an unvision Sunday really compared to what I used to do, compared to how you operate in a church where it's all about the centre. Because I want to say, let's focus especially on both these things, not just one thing, what the central organisation is about. And so it is a little bit of an unvision. So I'm not going to tell you the five great things we're doing this year. Dave might do that later as appropriate. But I'm not going to do that here because I want you to think, what, what is the part in the, the gospel community? What's the vision for your gospel community, for you within your gospel, gospel community? It's your vision Sunday. That's my message. It's your vision Sunday. Work out your vision and go for it. Uh, this little book is terrific. The Same Life. I hope you've had a chance. Some of you have read it, I know. Uh, thanks, Dave, for putting this together. It's a great uh, compilation of keen insights over the last decade. And um, there's a page in here that talks about who we are as God's people. And the four terms that we've been using all this, all this while are really helpful ones. We're, we're family, we're learners, we're servants, and we're missionaries. It's such a great way to think. I just find that really helpful four words. Oh, that's what I am. Oh, yeah, and we're doing that because I'm one of those. And as a group, we're doing those things. Now, there are headwinds in our culture that we need to be aware of, all sorts of issues. Other religions, other spiritualities, those things are competing more and more on a level field, playing field, even a higher playing field than where Christianity fits in our culture. And so as a group, we need to work out how to cope with those things. We need to work out what things to say to our friends, how to respond to the stuff that they, they ask us, or the challenges they put to us. Around sexuality is the classic at the moment, but there's lots of other things. 
very easy for people to set up a caricature of the Christian faith and we have to kind of defend that somehow. That's really weird and awkward and I don't want to do that job. So how do I talk to people? Notice in this Titus 3 passage just how important it is to have the perspective that when Christ is there, it's better. It's better at every point. And just to keep coming back to that and that we can communicate that despite the challenges. I just want to finish with a little personal note, and that is what this has done for me the last 10 years of this church. And that is it has helped me to, to start moving, to move a bit from the individualism with which I grew up to a community feel, attitude, connection. Now, I've always been committed to the church. You know, that's, that's just been a huge part, a wonderful part of my life. But what it's allowed me to do is to have a vehicle whereby I can change to be much more community-oriented, to work and live with people, not just in my own little self-satisfied space, even as it's been doing in ministry. It is hard for people born in the 1950s, 60s and 70s to do that. And we've seen people at that age drop out of our church. There's all sorts of reasons people drop out of church and go to another one, of course, all sorts of ones. But, but I actually think this is really hard. This is hard for people who have been raised my age, individualism, nuclear family, go for it, do your best for God. It really is very difficult. And so for me to go, I know what the Bible says. I want to be that guy. How can I do it? Soma Blue Mountains helps me. And that's uh, personally, that, that allows me to fit in with God's mission in a way that I would otherwise struggle to do. There is a real challenge for us to understand our culture and discipleship within it. Every new generation has to work it out. Every new context, every new subgroup within a generation has to work it out. And so my encouragement to you is do it as a group. Do it in your GC. Do it more broadly in the life of this church. This, uh, this little Soma Life book gives you some great guides. And so we, uh, we do want to encourage people to be using it in the coming uh, weeks and months. This Vision Sunday is not all about a great big plan. It's about the same plan. It's really God's plan, I like to suggest. And we've got to come up with culturally a way to express God's plan. This is not the only thing you could do. This is not even the thing that you would have to do all around the world. But gosh, it feels good for here right now in this kind of context, this kind of culture. And so I do want to encourage you as a group personally to commit into your GC and as a group to find what is that vision. Delightfully, I know many of you are on that. It's quite clear. You're doing it. And God is blessing you and blessing those around you because of it. And so for this Vision Sunday, keep renewing that vision or get that vision anew or, or, or have it for the first time as you get into your group. And uh, you'll find that there is uh, ample reason, like me, to say, I love my church. I love my church. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that you have a vision for this world and that you have a vision for this area, the Blue Mountains, Penrith area. We thank you, Father, for bringing us into your vision for this place. We pray, Father, that you would work in our hearts to make us renewed day by day, more like the Lord Jesus, and to live out all the good and excellent things that we read about in Titus. Help us, Father, to be... Uh, committed to our GCs, committed as, as, as people on the way together, uh, rejoicing in that uh, fellowship, learning from each other, serving each other, being family together and being on mission together. 
We ask for it, Father, because we, we want to focus on the 90% who otherwise won't hear. And we ask that you would use us, uh, give us the great privilege, use us in that task. We pray it in the name of the Lord Jesus and for his sake and glory. Amen.